that reflect your heart and help me to bring um, um, focus to this passage and, and help me to uh, um, rely on you and not me as I, uh, as I look for the right things to say. Um, and Father, I pray that you be with everyone here, that, that um, your spirit and your words would pierce their hearts and that they would draw closer to you in this, in this uh, um, morning together and, and through the hearing of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I, uh, I actually really like Christmas music. I, part of the reason I picked this as a theme for the, the sermon series is because I, I enjoy Christmas music. I, I enjoy um, listening to it. I enjoy singing. I enjoy all of that. I, most people don't enjoy me singing, um, but this whole series is a bit of an indulgence on my part, um, along with the offering today, I guess. <laughs> um, the, the funny thing to me, though, is we look at, at Christmas music and the things that have come out of Christmas because it's become so commercialized, right? Um, because it's gotten so almost ridiculous to the point that we don't even have a full Thanksgiving day before we start the Christmas sales. You know, like people are actually out at 8 o'clock on Thanksgiving day. You've eaten, you've thanked, now go by. You know, like, like Christmas has gotten so big and sometimes very silly. Um, along with that has come a, a, a fountain of humor, um, which is awful, like uh, um, some of the most ridiculous Christmas specials. Um, one of my favorites, although I've never watched it in one sitting, they did a Star Wars Christmas special way back, a holiday special, excuse me, way back in the 70s, and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. And, and um, I was at Roberta's shop yesterday going through records, and I found um, the Liberace Christmas album, which is on the list of every list I looked at of top 10 worst Christmas albums ever. You know, when she had it, I almost bought it. I, I couldn't. The whole dollar, I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> um, but as I, as I was looking at this, and actually um, on the topic of caroling and singing Christmas songs, it, it fits with the passage that we're looking at. I, I was looking at um, worst Christmas albums ever recorded, and I, I wanted to bring a selection of them. A lot of them I didn't think I'd survive with my job putting them on the screen in church. But um, A Waffle House Christmas, real record, you can buy it. Um, Christmas with the Colonel. <laughs> By the way, if anybody wants to, this is available for $7 on Amazon. I'm just saying, if you're looking for the perfect gift for a pastor that has everything. <laughs> I, I was trying to read the liner notes, and it mentioned Christmas and chicken frequently. That's all I know. It <laughs> um, Christmas in the Stars. This is the Star Wars Christmas album. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. I just really... Anyway. Uh, um, Christmas with the kazoo. <laughs> I mean, what says Christmas like kazoos? Really? <laughs> um, Roseanne Barr sings the Christmas classics. You have that? <laughs> I, I saw the national anthem, and I thought, well, you know... it. <laughs> Chris. She did. She did. Christmas. I know. Uh, Christmas on the moon. <laughs> um, with all of the silliness that comes with it, um, there's actually, I, I thought, you know, th there might be some root to Christmas carols. I was trying to find the source of them. And actually, Christmas carols started in the 1800s. Um, and it was part of a, a, like a king, like in Germany, got married. 
and people went out and sang Christmas music to their neighbors to celebrate it. And it, like, as a tradition, it took off from there. Um, but I would argue singing about Christmas goes way back, and actually singing to strangers about Christmas goes way, way, way back. And we're going to be looking at, at my, uh, my case in point here um, in Luke chapter 2. Um, and again, here's the quick background. Um, the Gospel of Luke um, includes four songs, like in the first two chapters. Um, for whatever reason, as Luke was writing about the birth of Jesus, he took... Um, songs and hymns from the early church, and he worked them into the narrative. Um, these early songs, um, like I, I, I'm going to argue they were written by the people that they say they were written by, um, but these were songs that were sung in the early church. So like last week we looked at Mary's song. She, she has a song about how blessed she is to, to be in the position she's in and whatnot, and, and this is a song that you know Luke asserts Mary wrote it, but it was also a song that was sung in the early church. Um, and, and this is an example of that. We have one more, the fourth song, which will be next week. Um, the audience for this is mainly Gentile Christians, right? These are people who are not Jewish. So some of the Jewish stuff is going to go right over their heads, right? Some of it they're going to catch because some of them were what was called God-fearers. These are Jews who are Gentiles who wanted to become Jewish but didn't go all the way because there's a bit of a... Um, there's a tough ceremony you have to endure to become Jewish that not every man would choose to participate in. Um, and, and so it stopped a lot of men from becoming Jewish. Like if we had that as a requirement for church membership, we'd have a tough time getting people to show up. Um, and it was the same for the Jews. Like they liked the religion, but they're like, nope, no knives. Um, and so like a lot of them would know the Old Testament, but they wouldn't know it the way Jews did. Um, and so there's some of this that, well, we'll get to it. Um, in the book of Luke, there's a heavy emphasis on the poor, the downtrodden, and the rejected. Luke is actually called the gospel of the woman, because, uh, uh, or the gospel of the woman, or the woman's gospel, because um, Luke, more than any other writer, emphasizes the role of women in the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus. And he does that because he's emphasizing like groups that are sometimes stepped on in society. And in ancient society, women weren't well thought of and didn't have a lot of rights. And um, Paul, or Luke emphasizes that in his writing. Um, the, the account that we're looking at takes just place just after the birth of Jesus. So like the, the trip to Bethlehem, the whole nine yards, they've gone, they've had the baby, they're in you know, the manger and the, the stable and everything else. Um, the baby is born and we pick up in, whoa, my slides are out of order. And it's not letting me switch them. Um, I need a Bible actually. I'm going to have to, are you fixing them? I should be in Luke uh, 2. Verse 8. Oh, it's up there. There it is. Um, <laughs> in the same region, in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, um, this is kind of a skip over verse for a lot of folks, but we're going to hit on a couple of things really important here. Okay. Um, first off, shepherds in the ancient world, talked about this last year. I think I've touched on it a few times. Shepherds, not well thought of in the ancient world. Right. They didn't like them. Um, they were necessary, right, because, you know, sheep, they ate sheep more than anything else. Um, but shepherds were not really well thought of for a handful of reasons. First off, shepherds, like anybody here ever raised sheep? Clara's not here. I can't, I don't have that. Sheep are dumb, right? If you leave sheep to their own devices, they will wander off and get killed. Like, it, it, it happened quite a bit. This is an area where lions were not unusual and wolves and bears and whatnot. And sheep frequently got devoured. Um, and, and so if you ignored your sheep for too long, you didn't have sheep anymore. 
they would wander off and they'd fall off cliffs and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and so um, shepherds watched their flocks all the time, which meant they didn't show up to church because they didn't show up to church. The religious leaders at the time, in like the rules for how the religion was run, like in the, um, it was in the Talmud, in the, the, the book of the Sanhedrin, they say, well, um, shepherds are not allowed to be in court as witnesses, right? Because they assume they're going to lie. <laughs> and they're not allowed to be judges, like, they had no position in ancient society as far as legal, like, anything. Um, because the assumption was, well, because they don't participate in the religion, they're bad, right? And, and so, like, shepherds, like, being introduced at this point in the story, they're not good witnesses. Um, if you were going to produce a lie, by the way, some people say, well, the Gospels are made up. If you were going to make something up, shepherds would not be the guys you say saw it, right? Because people, like, in the ancient world, you'd read it and you'd be like, oh, shepherds, um, and so shepherds were out there. The, the other thing that goes with that, by the way, um, is shepherds were notorious for bringing their animals onto other people's land to graze. I know it probably doesn't happen in Big Sandy, um, but these guys would, would take their sheep wherever there was grass because you had to feed them, right? And it, it was kind of something that, that was a bone of contention for everybody who didn't have sheep when all of a sudden there are sheep all over their property eating their lawn. Um, or the back 40 behind their house or what have you. And so, like, that was another reason sheep were ge- or shepherds were generally not trusted. Um, and so, like, as Luke starts, he says in the same region, there were shepherds um, out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. Um, the other thing that goes with this, so these are shepherds not trustworthy. Um, in the same region, anybody know where this would be? What's the name of the city? It's in Bethlehem, right? Um Ancient Jews believed that um, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and we're going to get to why they believe that in a second. Um, so they're right around Bethlehem. Now, there was a, a place called the Tower of the Flock, right? It refers to a, a large rock formation. It's first referred to in Genesis, and it's in the area of um, Bethlehem. And it was part of the reason why people, like the passage we're going to look at in a second, is part of the reason why they said, well, um, this, this is where, like, the Messiah would be born. But the Tower of the Flock is also the region where they got the animals for sacrifice at the temple. And so, like, um, there are all these beginning parallels in this story where it begins to point out Jesus was born to be sacrificed for our sins, right? And so, like, if you committed a sin, say, I don't know, John over here were to run over the neighbor with his tractor one day, just, you know, accidentally, um, not saying anything about his driving. <laughs> um, but for having committed that sin, he would have to atone for it. And John can't atone for it on his own, so he would take a sheep that would have been raised in this area, he'd take it to the temple, and they would sacrifice it, and the sheep would get punished for John. Everybody with me? Um, and so, like, that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus becomes the Lamb of God. He takes our sin as punishment on himself. And um, these shepherds who show up to the birth of Jesus, it's like they showed up to the birth of one of their own, right? Like one of God's lambs preparing for the temple. Um, so we move on from there. This, you know, background stuff, it's important, though. Um, all right. Oh, I jumped right ahead again. I need that Micah passage. You going to move me there? Did I have to back up? Sorry, guys. All right. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, anyway, um, Micah 4, 1 to 7. Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament. This is about 700 years before Jesus was born. All right. 
Um, and Micah was a prophet who wrote at the same time as Isaiah, right? And Isaiah was kind of the big, serious prophet of the Old Testament, um, like longest prophetic book in the Old Testament. And, and Micah writes his, his, his text, um, and he addresses a lot of the same things. But in Micah 4, 1 to 7, um, and it, it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, and it will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and the house of the God of Jacob. Now, this mountain thing, it's metaphorical, right? Because actually Jerusalem, like the capital of Israel, like it's, it's built on the top of a mountain. Um, but it's, this mountain thing is a reference to Jesus, right? Like literally, Jesus, the Son of God, will establish the faith like in the future, and it'll be the faith above all faiths. And it'll be something that everybody in the whole world is welcome to come and be a part of, right? You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to have gone through that really difficult ceremony. None of that stuff. Like, this is, like, like it. And it's a reference to Christianity because all people are welcome to become Christians. You don't have to be born in the right family. You don't have to have been good all your life. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Like, becoming a Christian is something that's welcome to all. And so, like, like Micah points forward. He says, hey, the day is coming. The day is coming when the mountain of the Lord will be established that he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his path. For from Zion will go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty and distant nations. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. Okay. Um, the teaching that goes out from Jesus is the gospel, right? It is how do we follow God in a way that doesn't crush us? Um, how do we follow God in a way that's actually pleasing to God? It's not just us following arbitrary rules. Um, how do we follow God even when the pastor's kid is screaming out of boredom? Um, <laughs> how do we follow God? Like, like this is what Jesus will teach us. And Micah points that. He says, look, the day is coming. Jesus is going to teach us this stuff. He's going to teach us, the whole world, how to follow God right. Um, and then after that, he'll become the judge of many nations, which Jesus, it says, in the end times will be the judge of many nations. And they'll hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Um, most of y'all, some of y'all are farmers, right? Some of you? Um, for your job, is it more important to have a sword or a plow? Depends on what I'm doing. If you're fighting the neighbors, a sword is useful, right? If you're planting, the sword isn't very useful. Um, this phrase, um, hammering swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, is synonymous in the Old Testament with getting to a point where you say, we don't even have to worry about war. We don't have to worry about violence. All we have to worry about is doing our work. Like, it's sort of this idealized life. Um, what's this talking about? Well, wars kept happening after Jesus came, right? Um, but we come to a place where we no longer war with God. Anybody ever, like, lived a life fighting with God? You know, where he wanted you to go one way and you didn't want to go that way? And, and it, it, it was a pull and tug and push and fight. Um, when we come into Christ, when we learn to walk in his ways, that ends. Like, it's over. We learn to walk in harmony with God. Um, and we, we don't need the fight. Um, and even more so, God does our fighting for us, which is awesome. But um, a nation will not 
raise up sword against nation. They will never train for war again. Um, and each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree and no one, with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Though all peoples walk, each in the name of his God, as for us, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather the outcasts, even those whom I have afflicted, and I will make the lame a remnant and the outcasts a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. Okay, huge chunk of text. Um, what's he talking about? Living underneath the vine, living underneath the, the, in the shade of his trees and stuff like that. This is a reference to like being a part of his family, right? And, and living within like the body. Um, it, it, it's about being together and like being one in Christ. Um, the last part of this is where it gets really important. He gathers up the lame, the outcasts, um, and the afflicted, and he makes them into his people. Um, all right, so when you were in junior high and you had to pick teams for kickball, who was the last one picked? Carly. <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy, why were you the last one picked for kickball? If you're going to pick a guy for your team, you don't, I was in the same boat. Nobody ever picked me because I'm the doughy kid who can't run, right, <laughs> and can't kick. And I'm not cool enough to be friends with the kids who can, so I always got picked last, right? Like, it was the story of my life. Um, when Micah talks about this, he talks about gathering up the lame. He's talking about the guys you don't want on your team, the guys nobody wants on their team, right? The people that, that you look at it and you're like, that guy. Anybody ever been that guy? Like, anybody ever been that guy in relation to God where, like, God wouldn't pick you for his team if, you know, because you got nothing to bring to the table? Um, the good news that Micah is presenting here, and we're going to get back to the shepherds. Give me a second here. The good news he's presenting is when you fail, when you fall short, when you fall on your face, when you can't manage it, when you look back and the trail you see behind you is broken because you've made so many mistakes when you, you know, realize that you can't do it on your own and that everybody's better than you and everything else, like when you hit that point, this is when you can back up and say, you know what, I'm the remnant that God is picking. I need help. I need God. And when you need God, he, he's willing to pick you up. Um, this is who Micah is talking about. He's talking about the people who should have no hope on their own. Um, now, here's where this gets important, and this is where it's going to hook into the other verse. I'm not just picking a random passage out of Micah. So, as for you, tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it will come. Even the former dominion will come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, why do you cry out loudly? Is there no king among you? Has your counselor perished? The agony has gripped you like a woman in childbirth. So we're going to hit pause here. He says, listen, tower of the flock, right? Which is where the shepherds are at this point. Everybody hearing me? So the shepherds are in the location of the tower of the flock. Um, and they get the announcement because that's actually what... All right. The shepherds, can you back me up a slide? One. Back me up one. Yeah, it's not working on mine. Um, 
the hill of the tower of the flock as I am, to you it will come. Meaning, these shepherds are out there. They are the tower of the flock, right? They're in that place. To you it will come. What's going to come? The announcement, right? Um, it's actually the, the um, rabbis in the ancient world would look to this passage and they would say, you know, first off, Bethlehem is where the Messiah is going to be born, and the announcement will come to that area. Like, obviously, it would come there first because it's right next to Bethlehem, right? Um, so the announcement of the coming of Jesus, this is what, what Mike is talking about here. Um, even the former dominion will come, and now kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem, why do you cry out loudly? Well, what's happening about 15 minutes before? Mary's having a baby. Anybody have babies in this room? Fun? Any crying out? <laughs> any, any hollering because it hurts like crazy? Um, actually, Micah goes on. We're not going to do the whole, pat, oh, the whole chapter. Micah goes on, and there's a whole extended description of Israel being like a woman giving birth and the pain and the excruciating like agony that goes with it, the suffering that's associated with it. Because having a, a baby, I watched it, it didn't seem that tough to me, but apparently it's pretty painful. Um, I could barely hear the football game. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> The, so Micah goes on, he talks about giving birth, and he associates it with, hey, where's your king? Don't you have a king? Don't you have a counselor? And then he talks about the pain that they go through being like childbirth. What's going on? Well, Israel had no king, right? They were ruled by a foreign nation. They had a guy named Herod the Great who was king, and Herod wasn't even Jewish. Like, he was sort of Jewish in the fa like fact that he sort of followed the religion, sort of. But for the most part, he was actually from a foreign nation, and he was brought in and made king because he was really wily. And so they have a king that's not even of their own people. They have a king who's a foreigner. And they have a king who, like, like isn't a real king and isn't a real counselor. And so what does Micah announce? Micah announces the day is coming when a child will be born. You know, and don't you suffer because you don't have a king? Don't you suffer because God hasn't sent a leader to you? And here we are in the tower of the flock, right? Like Luke chapter 2. Um, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Um, hit pause here. All people. Who was Micah talking about? Was he talking about the best of the best only? No. Was he talking about the people who come from the right family? No, he was talking about the lame, the rejected, the, the neglected. He's talking about all people, not just the best of the best. Um, he says, for all people, for today in the city of David, there, was, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Um, that last line there is a quote from uh, the book of Isaiah, by the way. Um, so what happens? An angel shows up, and literally, like, they're out there in the dark. Um, I, I grew up in cities. You know, like in Chicago, you go outside at night. And, Jeremy, is it dark in Chicago ever, really? Can you see the stars? Not at all. In fact, you can drive 100 miles outside of Chicago, and if you look at Chicago, you can still see the glow from it at night. Um, it is, it's, it's actually kind of crummy because it, it's never dark. Um, 
Big Sandy, Dwayne, when you walk out in your yard at night, if you turn off the house lights, how dark is it? It's very dark, right? These shepherds are out there. They're watching their flocks by night. They're in the dark. And then suddenly an angel appears and the glory of the Lord shines around them. So all of a sudden it goes from being the middle of the night in Dwayne's backyard to sunshine, right? And there's an angel there. And the angel says, hey, I'm here to tell you something great. And he announces the birth of Jesus. Um, And the birth of Jesus, like we look at Micah, what's the announcement? Everybody's welcome. God is coming to save all of you, whether you deserve it or not, whether you earned it or not, whether you're from the right family or not. God's going to give you a gift that you can never pay back and don't deserve because he loves you. Um, And it begins with a baby. Um, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, I'm going to hit pause there, um, a multitude of the heavenly host. Um, if you knock heavenly out of there, like host, the phrase, refers to an army. I mean, like in, in the Greek, that would be a word that would be like used to refer, refer to an army. And so like it starts with one angel, and then there's literally an army of angels in the sky. Like thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. I mean, the sky lights up like Chicago in the middle of the day, only brighter and less dirty. Um, and, and the angels are there, and they start um, announcing, they start praising God. Well, the praise that they offer is unusual. It's not something we see anywhere in the Old Testament um, or anywhere in the Bible other than right here. Um, and it's unusual in this respect. Usually, like, the angels announce, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Right? Like that's the standard chorus of praise for God um, because it only focuses on God. In this one, the angels say, glory to God in the highest. Right? Now, glory to God means honor, revere. It also refers to radiance, bright. You know, like, like it's this glory to God. Um, it, it, it's, it's a very powerful phrase in the ancient world. Um, in the highest is a reference to heaven. But then he goes on, and on earth. Peace amongst men with whom he is pleased. Um, So not only glory to God, but here, peace between us and God. Um, This event is so monumental that a literal army of angels shows up and sings about it. Um, they, They sing a song, actually, that the early church picked up and sang themselves. Um, to praise God for the great gift of Jesus, the great gift of hope for the guys who don't deserve it. I mean, literally, for the hopeless. Um, And they announce it to nobody in the middle of nowhere. Not to kings, not to dignitaries, not to anything, but to the people who Jesus came to die for. Um, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Um, and so you've just had a baby, right? Mary has just had this baby. 
Anybody been in the hospital with a new baby? Tired? Stinky shepherd show up. We're here to see the baby. Um, because this is who he came for. I mean, and, and literally, this is news that doesn't like, oh, wow, that was great to hear. What else is on TV? <laughs> Point the remote at the sky. It, it's news. It's not like news that you hear on the news. It's news that you hear and you have to do something about it. Right? It's news that makes you say, you know what? I can't do anything but watch these sheep most days, but I'm leaving them here and I'm going to find this baby. Um, this is a huge deal. And their reaction, I would suggest, is perhaps the reaction God calls for from us. Um, how does this apply? What are we supposed to do with this? Um, I have angels hanging on the tree in the back. This is probably the third year I've given out, fourth, fifth, fourth year I've given out angel ornaments. The first year we did this, um, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. Uh, Jess and I, before we had Abby, um, she got pregnant and, and we were very excited. And, and we went to get our first ultrasound and the baby had died. And um, it was the worst experience. I'm actually tearing up talking about it. It's really, it was awful. Um, it was so bad, we, we went home, we loaded everything we had in the car, and we left. Like, and we called around for people to come and watch our house while we were gone. And I called work and I said, I, you know, we're just not coming in. And, and we left. And we went to Texas, actually. We drove to see her family. And it was the worst. I mean, we spent days just miserable and could barely get out of bed. And we couldn't get the doctors to, to do anything with us. So they actually were saying, well, we have to make absolutely sure. We have to make absolutely sure. And the only way we knew that it wasn't going to happen was the x-ray tech said, I, you guys are terribly upset. They're not going to tell you for a few days. This is what happened. And it, it was the most crushing thing we'd ever experienced, right? Absolutely the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Um, and when we came back, I preached a sermon on this passage. And we had angels that we had picked up to give out. And um, that week, actually probably Friday of that week, I had a, a, a pastor I knew. We were talking, and he said something amazing to me. He said, you know what, coming into Christmas, this has to be true because he told me about his daughter who had passed away. And he said, I know, I know, I know that my daughter is in heaven. And I know it's because Jesus came for me. And I know it's because Jesus loves me. And when we gave out our angels, I, the one I picked up, I picked up a little glass and it looked almost exactly like this, and I dropped it and it broke into little pieces. And I picked up my little broken angel and, God, I said, you know what? Like, Jesus came for me when I'm broken. And he came for my little girl or boy or whatever our baby was. And, you know, like that's what Jesus came for. And he came for you when you're broken and when you're hurt and when you're alone and when you're messed up. That's who Jesus came for. Um, I want to urge you today, if you find yourself in a place where, where stuff is wrong, where stuff is broken, or where you can look at your life and you say, you know, God could fix this, or I need help, or I have no hope that this is ever going to get better apart from the miracle. Um, talk to God today and say, you know, I need this. I need this bad. I need it to be true. I need Jesus. I need you to come and save me. Because that's what Jesus came for. For the lame, for the rejected, for the down and out, for the people who, who need him. Hanging in the back on the tree, I've got angels um, of different types and sorts. 
Um, I like giving away ornaments at Christmas just because I, I like doing it. As you're heading out today, I, I want you to pick one up, and I want you to hang it on your tree or on your, I think Jimmy will hang it on his rearview mirror, and it'll be there until he gets back in five weeks. Um, I want you to hang it up, and I want you to look at it. And I want you to remember when Jesus came, when the angels announced to the shepherds, to the losers of the ancient world, God came for you. Um, he came for you. He came to save you. He came to comfort you. i got to stop talking. Um, do we have a last song? Okay, we're going to close in prayer. Um, the other thing that I, I want you to do with your angel is I want you to take the time to share that hope with the people around you. Um, we don't sing Christmas carols because they make us feel warm and fuzzy. We sing Christmas carols because this hope is something so wonderful it's worth singing about. Isn't it? We sing because God saved us. We sing because we're filled with joy where we used to have emptiness. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you be with us today and help us to um, recognize that, that as we come into Christmas, as we as we come into this time of worshiping you, as we come into this time of celebrating um, uh, the birth of your son, that, that we would stand in a place and be filled with gratitude uh, and joy that, that you came to save us and to comfort us when we were most broken and most hurting. I pray that you would give us your peace and your love and help us to touch the lives around us with it. Help us to recognize that as broken and as messed up and as hopeless as today may seem, because of Christ, because your Son came to redeem us. There's a tomorrow, um, that there's an Easter after a Good Friday, um, that you redeem us and you save us, and that heaven is our destination, and comfort and hope is built into the creation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.